Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. It is a, uh, it's, man, it's just, it's just so weird to see people here. I'm telling you, like, when we've done these live streams and we've recorded the services and there's no one in this place, we're, we're talking to an audience that isn't here all the time, and it is just really so good to see you. And for those of you online, you look good, too. All right? That's right. I'm looking at you. I see you. Anyways, hey, I don't know uh, how you read the Bible. Our hope is this morning that you might even have a phone and a phone app if you didn't bring a, a physical Bible with you. But I want to take you on a journey. We don't get to travel as much and as freely as we used to in this season and this year, but let's take a journey. Let's go on a trip to a town called Thessaloniki. Back in the day, it would have been called Thessalonia. Thessalonica, even today, some people would call it Salonia. It is a port city in the country of Greece. And there might even be a picture behind me where there, even to this day, it is a port city where people are coming and going with ships. It's about 300 miles north of Athens. So if you think about Greece, you're like, I know where Athens is at. Well, this would be 300 miles to the north much like the distance that we get from San Francisco to L.A. And the setting that we have with us is Paul is going to write to his friends that he has known for some time. This place has been a place for at least for a few months when we encounter this portion of Scripture where, where, where Paul started something a few months ago where there was a new church birthed there, and he wants to write to them. I read a story this week of an old itinerant preacher, which is a weird phrase, much like a, a circuit writer, if you will. Back in the 80s, this lady named Susan served seven congregations all throughout greater Virginia. Can you imagine having a pastor that you would only see once every two months? And as she did her thing, how about that? As she did her thing, she rode this circuit and visited these small towns way before there was email and text message communication. And in her life, how she did things was was she would be there once every two months, and in the ensuing seven to eight weeks until she visited that same place again, she would write letters. And she has written down these correspondence, and she would say that my words mattered every time that I put them to pen and paper because I didn't have the quickness of a phone call even, but I would write these dear saints in each of these seven congregations and try to encourage them. And this is, the, this is kind of the, the background that we get with Paul, who is writing to his friends in this city, this port city to the north, in the northern region of Greece. And so when we consider his words, that's the setting of the day. He is this itinerant preacher that we have heard about him. We've heard about Paul. And some of us would say, well, Paul, you know, I don't know about him. He seems like he's a real, uh, it's like a hard-nosed kind of guy. But there is tenderness and gentleness in his words with his people that he writes to, even in this passage of Scripture. So if you have a Bible, you turn to 1 Thessalonians. This is his first writing that we have recorded, and, and some scholars would say that it's actually one of the first pieces of Christian writing that wasn't one of the Gospels. Now, the Gospels are those first four books of the New Testament that tell the story in the life of Jesus, but as you remember, the book of Acts began this explosion of the church in the New Testament, which is the Roman world, and they had to get the word out about this Jesus of Nazareth guy. 
And so the writers of the New Testament, and Paul is one of the major writers of the New Testament, they would begin to write these letters to these communities that they knew so well. So that's the setting. We're in a port city in Greece. I hope you brought your travel bags with us, and let's begin the journey for these first 10 verses, which is just the first chapter of this letter to Thessalonians. He starts with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Unlike our letters where we would write and put our name at the bottom of the letter, the first century world, they would put their, let, their name at the top. And so he's writing with his friend, his friend Silas and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Before you move on to the next slide, Nettie, take those verbs or those words that we have there. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Faith, hope, and love. Have you heard those three words before in the writings of Paul? Perhaps you've been to that wedding where they have broken out that old scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, and love. This is the resounding gong and clanging symbol that Paul is going to write to his friends over and over again. You have faith, you have hope, and you have love. Verse 4, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because your gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from coming wrath. And that's the story for today. That's it. We just get like the first bit of this letter writing that Paul has with his friends there in Thessalonia. Thessaloniki, Thessalonica, however you want to phrase it. This city that they're in, in Rome. All right, now we got to have some background for Rome. I don't know about you. I love history. Let's do this. Are you ready? This is the first century world. This is where Rome ruled everything. If you were going to survive in the Roman Empire, you must have said something to the effect of Caesar is Lord. And I know Caesar's the guy who invented the salad and had a really cool crop, crop like haircut and everything, but for Caesar, he was it. And there was one Caesar above all Caesars that kind of began things out, and you might have heard his name in those of you who loved your history, Augustus. Caesar or Caesar Augustus. We hear of him when we read stories about Jesus' birth around the time when Jesus shows up in Bethlehem. But Augustus Caesar would have claimed that his adopted uncle, and some of you remember him, his name is Julius Caesar, right? Remember that guy? A2 Brute, right? Killed in the Roman Senate because of what he stood for. But he had already adopted his nephew 
Augustus. Augustus becomes the Roman emperor, and Augustus says, oh, my adopted uncle Julius, well, he was a god. Like, he just proclaimed him a god, and everybody around the Roman Empire were like, yeah, yeah, let's go with that, because you're the guy in charge. And so they said, oh, well, Julius is a god, and then Augustus dies, and his son Tiberius takes over, and Tiberius does the same thing before him and says, well, well, Augustus is a god, and then everybody in the Roman Empire is like, yeah, 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 that's right, and so if he's a god, then Tiberius, you must be a son of God. Right? You hear this phrase that even gets thrown out and even proclaimed for these new Christians who are like, hold on a second, I don't know if I want to go with the storyline that says these emperors are gods or sons of gods. I'm hearing about this Jesus. And when Paul writes to them here in, in this first letter to his friends, the Thessalonians, he is saying, don't forget the story of Jesus, the son of God. And he's like, you have already made a huge impact in the world around you. There have become word beyond your city of how you have remained faithful you have lived with hope and you have had love right he is saying something about them and he says to macedonia in the north and Achaia in the south which would have been basically if you take the whole state of california you get northern california and southern california just for a geography standpoint and reference the people in this city have remained so faithful to the cause of jesus christ that it has reverberated to the world around them and Paul says something to them. You have become imitators of us and imitators of God. Now, when we hear the word imitation and imitator, we often don't give it a lot of credence or credit. Much of us, many of us would say, I don't really want the imitation. Like this. Dr. Dynamite. I don't even need to tell you what this is imitating, but you and I both know what it's imitating, right? Any kids in the house know what this would be imitating? Come on, there's that special soda out there. Mm-mm-mm. Dr. Dynamite wants to be... Dr. Thunder, right? <laughs> the other imitation, which is so good. And then there's Dr. Yes, we all get it. So we... Imitation, you're like, I don't know, like maybe if I only got the 99 cents, I'm going to get the Dr. Dynamite. But to be real honest, I think Dr. Dynamite's a better name than Dr. Pepper. Oh, wait. Does, yeah, you got it. Dr. Pepper. We get this. We understand the concept of imitation. We're like, I don't know. My friend Kyle, who was playing electric guitar earlier, I've known Kyle for some time. And Kyle tells the story, I've heard it a few times, in his childhood that he wanted to be like all the cool kids out there that had these sandals called Birkenstocks. Well, Kyle couldn't get the Birkenstocks, and so he got a pair of sandals, and he hand-wrote the word Birkenstocks on them so that when he showed up at school, he could be accepted. Were they spelled correctly? Did you misspell Birken? They were all right, there we go. So we get this idea. We understand this, this concept of imitation. You get imitation vanilla. You're like, I want pure vanilla. It's going to make the recipe better. It's going to be something that's really good. And imitation has this negative connotation. But for Paul, he has said, you have become imitators of us. And he's lumping in Silas and Timothy's, his people, his, his co-workers that have informed these people and the Thessalonians and saying, hey, this is how life is to be. You have become persecuted. He knows their world really well, that if you are going to be a Christian in this world, it's not going to be easy. Because for them in the Roman Empire, you had to believe all of the systems, not just of how Caesar was Lord, but you had to agree with how they set things up 
with all of the different gods. For instance, if you wanted to plant a tree, you had to make appeasement with the god that would have helped your tree grow. If you wanted to go on a business trip, you would have gone to the temple and made amends to the god who might give you favor on your travels and in your business endeavors. If your son or daughter were going to be married, you would do the same for that god that was going to... They had a pantheon of gods. If you remember your history or or those classes from even junior high and high school, you remember how it was set up in that day. And so Paul is writing to them and saying, hold fast, continue to be imitators of us. And even though you have received persecution for standing strong in the faith, it has been the Holy Spirit that has helped you and empowered you and guided you. So much so that word's getting out. Something's different about these Thessalonians, these Christians. And he says to them at the beginning verses, this church in Thessalonia, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, again, whatever word you want to say for that city. But it wouldn't be a church like you and I are going to even to this day and in this moment, even gathering online. The word for church in those early verses of this passage is the word ekklesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. It's this beautiful Greek word that means gathering. It actually didn't have a religious context in mind in the beginning. But churches have made it their own since then. And churches that have kind of postured themselves in God's direction have said, when we gather, we gather in God's name. And that was what the difference was for these people that Paul was writing to. Hey, you've received persecution because we live in the Roman Empire. You have stood the test, but continue to hold fast. Regardless of what happens around you, would you hold fast to what God is doing? Would you hold fast to the expansion of his kingdom all around. This is the word from the Apostle Paul. And he's saying, be imitators. Be imitators of us. We know what it's like to be persecuted. Paul and Silas, if you remember the stories from Acts, these guys are the ones in prison. They're singing songs when they've got no hope. These are the stories of these New Testament Christians that are continually saying, regardless of what's happening in the world around me, I'm going to stay firm to God. I'm going to continue to remain faithful to his word and to what he is doing all around me, which seems to be really good news for people like us in 2020. If things are going wrong all around us and every single one of us has that story, will I remain? The question is, is will I remain true? Will I remain faithful to what God has called me? Or do I just fall victim to becoming that bitter root that naysayer. And I bet, I bet if Paul had any sense of his worth, he knew full well that he wasn't just talking to people that knew the story in that day of the first century. He was also referencing stories from the past. The beautiful thing about our, 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 our church here at Refuge sometimes is we will walk through what's called the lectionary and the liturgical calendar. And so every single week when we gather, there are four passages before us. And our leadership team prays around them. And when we are speaking, whether it's me, Pastor Sean, Pastor Nikki, or even guest speakers, we say, would you join in with what God is doing? And there is something to be said. So today's reading is the New Testament reading. But Paul knew full well the history of the Old Testament because he was a Jew of among all Jews. He was a good Jew. And the Old Testament story from today is actually from Exodus 33. And if you were to pull that one up, and I encourage you to read it, it's kind of this moment where Moses and God are going back and forth, and God is really 
almost about to cut loose from his people that he pulled out of Egypt. And he is so frustrated with how they have done things. And, and Moses is like, hey, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with us. And would you again remind me of your goodness? Because I know you're really frustrated, God, but remind me of your goodness. And this is the moment. This is the moment in the story where God moons Moses. And I know I just have to put it out there before you because this is the moment where, where Mo, God says to Moses, hey, I'm going to put you in the side of the rock and I'm going to pass by you, but you can't look at my front. You can only see my backside. And again, this is the moment where God moons Moses and he walks by. And in this moment, he is reminded of God's goodness because this is the time when Moses goes back to his people. His, his face is shining. And I know I'm having some fun. I want to wake the kids up in the crowd, kids of all ages, apparently. But as he passes by Moses, Moses is blown away. Like literally, if he had emojis to put this one into action, it would be the mind-blown moment. God had done something for him and reminded him of his goodness. Because we all assume that a God is going to be wrathful. And we even get that at the end of this passage in the New Testament. We assume that a God, regardless of the type of God, that you've got to pay them off. And that's typically what the Roman world knew. i got to pay that God off if I want that tree to grow, if I want my business trip to go well, if I want my kid to be married and then be happy. But for this story, Paul's reminding them, hey, God has been in the business of being good to his people over and over again. And his goodness is what draws us in. His goodness is what says, I have hope for tomorrow and I can stand what's going on today. If I want to remain faithful, if I want to have hope, and I want to have the ability to love the people around me, then this God that Paul was reminding his friends, the Thessalonians, about is also a story of God for me today. And it's interesting that he says this phrase. He says, you have turned from your idols to the living God. Remember, the idols, these are inanimate objects that aren't alive, that provide nothing. And Paul says, you have turned from your idols to the living God, and you have served him, and you have hope, which is good news for people like you and me. But the question that I get, and maybe you get as well, what am I turning from? The temptation for me to believe either the lies of the enemy or the lies of this world. How am I serving God? Which ultimately means how am I serving the people around me? And how do I remain faithful to this idea that I have hope? It's not all lost. It's not all going to hell in a handbasket. It's not going that way because we know a God who's alive and well. We don't serve a God who's just some fake piece of object that we put up on our mantle. The God that we serve is alive. The God that we serve is, is on the move. And he's inviting us to turn from our idols that we have put in place of him, to serve him, and to remain with hope. That is good news for a day like today. And my prayer for us is that we be a people that it reverberates from us, not just the Thessalonians. May it go from here in orange and beyond that there are places and churches like us that because of our faithfulness to God, that the world can't help but see the power of his Holy Spirit and what he's doing. So would you pray with me today as we consider this week ahead? Lord, you are amazing, and you are good. And I pray, God, that even today we would be hit with your goodness, 
for those in the room who it's been a while since they have tasted and seen that you were good or maybe even smelled your goodness like the incense in the temple that would have been going day and night and day and night because it was a tangible representation of your presence. Would you go with us? I pray for a spirit of imitation to let loose in this room, which sounds weird, but may we imitate the early church and those who have remained committed to you. That is good imitation. That's the kind of imitation that brings your kingdom into this world in a bigger and better kind of way. I pray your blessing over us as your people. When we leave this place, may we tell stories of how we have faith in you and hope for tomorrow and the opportunity to love one another. That is what you are calling us to in this world. And in 2020, we need that. The world that we live in needs that. And ultimately, the world needs you, God. Help us be the ones to show you off because you are awesome. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.